welcome to In the Books. We are a period drama podcast hosted by us two dorks. I'm Michelle. I live in the United States. I live in the United States. Oh my God. I live in the States. You can find me at Musings on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Rita, uh, I live in England. I'm at Annoying Rita on Instagram and Twitter. And welcome to our third and final episode discussing the 2021 miniseries Anne Boleyn. Let's kick off this podcast as usual with a tediously long recap of the episode. <laughs> we begin with Anne's arrival at the Tower of London. The title card tells us she has just two weeks and three days left to live. She is introduced to the constable of the tower, Sir William Kingston, who guides her to her room. And it's fair to say that it's a bit of a step down in quality from the palace in Greenwich. Anne mutters to herself that this is how it's going to be in Latin and flops down on her bed. The constable asks Lady Shelton to keep a full report and hands her a pen and paper. Real subtle, guys. <laughs> we cut to the next morning. Anne is having a nightmare about a crying Elizabeth. Lady Shelton wakes her, explaining that she was shouting in her sleep. Anne reaches out and grabs her hand, demanding to know where they have taken her daughter. Her aunt shrugs and says, Hatfield, I assume. Oh, this woman. Uh, she then introduces Anne to the girls that will be serving her during her stay, for there's no highborn ladies in waiting here at the tower. Anne huffs out of bed and announces that she needs to use the privy in a tone that suggests she wants privacy. Lady Shelton tells her the queen can't be left alone and she needs to pee in front of them. <sighs> Anne tries not to show her humiliation as she pees in her chamber pot with her aunt listening in. My hand is getting getting itchy. My slappy hand. <laughs> oh, the slappy hand. <laughs> yes. Um, we then cut to that evening. Anne is praying and reading her Bible. The constable enters her room and offers her dinner. When she sees an extra plate, she asks if someone will be joining her. The constable explains that he always honours his more distinguished residents by dining with them. Anne haughtily replies that that won't be necessary. He joins her anyway, and when he encourages her to eat, she responds by telling him, she won't touch any food until she sees Cromwell and has news of her daughter. The constable gets up from his dinner and strides towards her menacingly. I was like, oh, where is this going? Yeah. He touches her shoulder, which I'm pretty sure isn't supposed to do that. <laughs> uh, you're not supposed to do that to monarchy. Yeah. And tells her that she should show him some respect. He even calls her Madame, not your grace. Ah, uh, so... Anne is truly not in Kansas anymore. Mm -mm. It's morning. Anne is enduring the fumbling servant trying to dress her, but loses her patience and asks her aunt to dress her instead. Her aunt, having finally got the upper hand on her, is obviously unwilling to relinquish it. She refuses Anne. We then cut to a shot from outside the tower where men's screams are heard. Don't think about that too much. Mm -mm. Um... <laughs> Some indiscriminate amount of time later, Anne lies in her bed. She hears voices outside her door and she asks if anyone is there. Her aunt approaches and tries to get her back to sleep, ignoring her questions about who was at the door. I mean, it was totally Cromwell, right? Mm, yeah, of course. 
Anne declares she's not tired, storms out of her bed and suggests her aunt should rest instead. All that conspiring must be exhausting. Yes. Anne scratches the ever-loving shit out of her leg until she's bleeding. She anxiously wonders aloud what she has done to cause this imprisonment. Cut to later, Cromwell has come to visit her and make sure she eats. Anne takes one relished bite of some disgusting-looking food and then immediately asks for news of Elizabeth. He changes the subject and remarks that he was worried he would lose the queen before justice could be done. She says she doesn't even know what she's accused of. He explains that she's accused of treason and adultery. She finds out that Norris, William Burton, Francis Weston, and, mystifyingly, her loot player, Mark Smeaton, have been accused of sleeping with her. She remarks that he must have come up with some inventive tortures to extract that lie from them. Cromwell then lands the devastating blow that her brother has been arrested as well. For the first time, Anne begins to look seriously frightened, and she comes close to tears. Cromwell smiles. Bucky Grinch. (laughs) Anne begins screaming at him to get out. He steals a bite of her food before sauntering out of the room. Slappy, hand, itchy. (laughs) Anne screams and starts trashing the room, flipping over furniture and screaming, Fetch me my fucking husband! over and over hysterically. The constable enters the room and drags her to the bed where he pins her down, hand pressing down on her face as she sobs. Lady Shelton enters and says, she's gone mad. But the rather more sensible constable remarks that once the fit passes, she will be calm again and there will be no more trouble. One senses he has seen quite a few of these outbursts before. Oh, if the constable could talk, mm-hmm. he would have some fun stories. Uh, cut to, s- again, some unknowable time later. Anne's once again lying in bed when she's woken up by a gentle hand on her face. Thankfully, it's Madge. Yay! Anne is happy to see her and says that if the king is allowing her to come, then perhaps he is softening. <laughs> oh, sis. Uh, <laughs> sorry about it. Anne asks after her daughter again and Madge tells her that Elizabeth is at Hatfield being treated well. There's a noise at the chamber door again and Madge warns her to not say too much in front of her mother. She's spying on behalf of Cromwell and is not to be trusted. Anne goes to eat breakfast. When she sees the constable has entered too, she treats him with much more courtesy and makes it clear that she would like to dine with him now. He accepts and then tells her that her trial is set for just two days' time from now. God! The accused men's trial is set for that very day, and they should expect a verdict by the evening. Pure, sweet, summer child that she is, Madge wants to start prepping for Anne's upcoming trial. She wants to find a lawyer, but is told by Anne that those that are uh, accused of treason are conveniently not allowed one. (laughs) Who made up that rule? It's utter bullshit! Okay, so Madge then suggests that they write down her defence. Anne is like, God will guide my speech when the time comes, which is just the kind of religious fundamentalist nonsense you expect from a woman facing a death penalty for something she didn't do. She then cuts up a pomegranate and begins to eat it, very dramatically. She's getting her antioxidants, but, uh... (laughs) Anyhow, that night, Anne is sitting down to dinner with the constable. Side note. They're using a two-pronged fork and a spoon to try to cut into their meat. And it's bizarre because knives were certainly more common than forks back then. But we digress. 
the constable is surprisingly sweet when making small talk about his wife, and then builds up the courage to ask about the verdict, and he helps by interrupting her. They were all found guilty. She asks what the sentence is, but she knows it already. We all know it. Beheading. There is no mercy shown for treason. Anne is stoic as she remarks that she hopes they will be forgiven. The constable, a good Christian, no doubt tells her that if they made their peace with God, they will have forgiveness. But Anne corrects him. She meant those that condemned them. She's a lot more forgiving than me, by the way. I would have been like, I hope they will run in hell, motherfucker. Seriously. (laughs) Uh, Cut to Anne and Madge sleeping in the same bed. Anne is awake and thinking. She turns over to look at her friend. She strokes Madge's shoulder and tells her that she has treated her friend badly. She has used her, but Madge has shown her nothing but loyalty and kindness. She she tells her that she would be a better friend to her, given her time again, and kisses her shoulder. Madge cries. We then cut to Anne dressing for her trial. As Lady Shelton approaches to help, Madge cuts her off and insists that she will do it. Clearly, there is some animosity growing between mother and daughter. We then see Anne in a black velvet square neck dress. Atop her head is a white veil. Anne enters her trial looking regal as fuck. Yes! She stands before the assembled lords in what I assume is the Tudor equivalent of the docks and remains stoic as the triumphant Thomas Cromwell reads out her charges. He asks how she pleads and she responds confidently with not guilty, much to the horror of the room full of old white men who will be judging her. Cromwell accuses her of not only cheating on the king, but also conspiring to kill him. The old men again all mutter in unified horror, but Cromwell is not done yet. He then publicly accuses her of incest in the most disturbingly drawn out and lurid way possible. She again denies it. Cromwell then begins questioning her with a bunch of very specific dates, which naturally Anne cannot remember very much about, but one of the dates she does recall as being right after she gave birth. Very unlikely she was feeling frisky. (laughs) But no matter how much Anne vehemently denies ever cheating on Henry, it's clear that Cromwell has the room. And why wouldn't these old white men's feathers flock together? He even pulls out her comments about dead man's shoes to Norris as if it's some kind of trump card. It was a joke. Yes. Dude. (laughs) Cromwell then calls a witness, and what do you know, it's everyone's least favourite Boleyn, Jane! (laughs) The smug-looking sister-in-law gets up on the stand and declares that Anne and George are unnaturally close, and that her husband preferred his sister's company to hers. Understandable, given what a heinous bitch he was married to. But anyway, just to prove her awfulness, she tells the gossiping room of Lords that she saw him kiss her. Probably on the cheek, but you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As if that wasn't awful enough, Cromwell then calls his next witness, and it's fucking Lady Worcester. She appears shy, so Cromwell reads aloud from a signed statement that accuses the Queen of taking many lovers and of actively encouraging Lady Worcester to become her brother's mistress. When asked if the statement is accurate, Lady Worcester says yes. Anne looks at her pityingly. Uh, they then allow Anne to speak. Jody Turner-Smith stares straight into the camera as she delivers an Emmy-worthy performance. Anne's speech starts by her admitting that she has been difficult and ambitious and dreamt to fly when she was told to stay in the nest. 
But despite all those perceived failings, she has always been loyal and faithful to her husband. She declares that God will be her only judge when the time comes. And then she delivers an iconic line. My life is in your hands. You'll not have my spirit. Slay, queen, slay! Yes! Tingles, tingles. Cut to the announcement of the jury's verdict. And, as we all know, she is found guilty of all charges. She looks a little surprised, but it is Madge, sitting in the gallery, that has a near panic attack. The punishment for treason is announced. She's either going to be burned alive or get her head chopped off. Henry gets to decide. I'm going to have something to say about that when we get to chat. She then carries herself again with remarkable poise and dignity as she marches out of the court for the final time. Later, Anne's fervently praying in the night. She clutches a Bible to her chest and asks for Christ's mercy. She's interrupted by a visitor, Thomas Cranmer, who is the Archbishop of Canterbury, and a good friend of Anne's. He says he's there at Henry's request. Anne asks if he has a message for her, and he technically does. You see, Henry wants an annulment. Anne is more horrified than when she was sentenced to death. The grounds for this is that Henry slept with Anne's sister Mary previously, (coughs) so she has to be punished. (laughs) Make it make sense. Uh, Anne realises the annulment would remove Elizabeth from the succession, so she refuses. Cranmere asks her to reconsider. She can live out her days in comfort in a French nunnery and ensure her daughter's position. When he sees Anne teetering on the edge of acceptance, he pulls out the big guns. Choosing death would be to face eternal damnation in hell. So Anne signs the annulment. She begins to cry and tells Cranmere she feels as if she's selling her soul, but at least her daughter will be safe. Her death could not protect her. Cranmere looks at her worriedly. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you knew something was up right there, uh-huh. and then takes his leave. Later that night, Anne is lying in bed when the constable enters her room and bids her to follow him. He takes her out into the corridor and tells her that her brother is to be executed in the morning. He tells her to look out of a window where she can see the tower yard. Her brother is led out into the yard, and they see each other. He raises his hand to his heart. After just a second, he's led back to his prison and Anne begins to weep. The next morning, Anne is sitting in her chamber. When Madge arrives back from the executions, Anne asks how he was, and Madge tells her that George was strong and dignified, which seems to bring Anne some comfort. But when she asks if his death was quick, Madge is unable to lie to her and admits that it took the executioner three strokes before they declared him dead. Into this scene, Thomas Cromwell enters and announces that the Queen's execution is going ahead. Madge is quick to demand that it is impossible the Queen has been pardoned, but Cromwell smugly replies that he spoke to the King himself. Anne turns to him with, with obvious disdain and asks him if he feels proud of his achievement which seems to throw him off slightly. She declares that this will be his legacy, not her death, but her everlasting memory. When people speak his name, they will think of Anne's and the length he went to sully it. Cromwell looks conflicted as Anne says, you will never be rid of me. She then coolly asks when she will die. 9 a.m. tomorrow. Anne smiles and says she will see her brother sooner than she thought. We then cut to Anne receiving Holy Communion and then washing herself the morning before her execution. 
As she walks her way through the crowd, we hear a voiceover of her asking for something to be passed on to her daughter. And she asks them to tell Elizabeth not to let them use fear as their tool. Tell her it's hers to harness and control. Let your fear drive you to be bigger, louder. Be the most fierce and passionate. Fly close to the sun. Feel its warmth. I will be with you every day it shines. And even on those days, it does not. When Anne arrives atop the scaffolding, the crowd goes silent. Madge and Lady Shelton are with her. An upset Madge reaches out for her mother's hand, but is pushed away. Anne then begins to take off her cloak and headdress with the help of Madge. She then takes off the Queen's huge crucifix and Anne clasps it in her hand. The two women press their heads together and say goodbye. The executioner, a French man, asks for her Majesty's forgiveness. Anne responds in French, offering it with all her heart. He then asks her to kneel. Madge puts the blindfold over her eyes and Anne begins to pray, May God have mercy on my soul, as her head is quickly cut off. The crowd gasps in horror. Lady Shelton sheds a tear and Madge begins to sob. In the crowd, a smiling Thomas Cromwell walks away. We then get one final title card that tells us that 24 hours after her execution, Henry was engaged to Jane Seymour. They were married 11 days later. Anne's daughter Elizabeth was declared illegitimate. Elizabeth was sidelined, ignored and eventually imprisoned by her sister Mary. Until a succession crisis meant she was crowned Queen of England and Elizabeth became one of the greatest monarchs in history. Until her death, she wore a locket ring that contained two tiny portraits, one of herself and one of her mother Anne Boleyn. I have to say, <laughs> please, please Google that locket because that ain't Anne Boleyn, but okay. <laughs> it's a nice story, but it's not, it's not it's Anne. It's not true. It's not true because that woman is a redhead in that locket and we all know she has dark hair. Anyway. <laughs> trying to avoid talking about this episode because uh, it was so sad uh what, yeah. was, what, what was your impression of it i think uh it was really fantastic this whole series has just been uh you know one for the um one of the history books i mean this is literally <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah yeah but uh <laughs> You know, it this it was fantastic. It was devastatingly sad. You know, it's not like we didn't know the story and how it was going to end or or anything along those lines. But kind of seeing those days passing, you know, the two weeks and three days that she had uh, based on the title card, uh, it was uh, moving and uh, maddening and just fantastic television. How about you? Yeah, definitely. I think it was like a really fantastic single hour of television. It felt mm -hmm. very intense and claustrophobic because most of the episode really took place in the jail cell mm -hmm. and it really heightened the tension of this like inevitable fact like you knew she was going to die. Yeah. Like, it was in the title cards and yet it still felt like you were f like, please, please, please don't happen. Mm -hmm. um, and you just get an even more intense, like, emotional connection with Anne yeah. because you're in her head for the whole hour. And yeah. I thought it was so good. And it was like, my expectations were high, but it still blew me away. I was mm -hmm. like, this is so good. 
<laughs> like, that's been the case of this, this entire series. Um, you know, it, it's learning about it initially, you know, it was fascinating to think, okay, how are they going to, you know, how are they going to do this? And, you know, this is going to be, um, you know, this is going to be uh, really fascinating to watch. And then, you know, you get into it and, you know, it's like every single minute is riveting. This is a really good story. <laughs> I think yeah. that's like the fundamental heart of it is just that she's a fascinating person. The events are complicated. All the characters involved are all like fascinating in their own right. Like you've got Thomas Cromwell scheming, you've got Henry, he's a mm-hmm. psychopath, you've got <laughs> Anne being amazing, and then even the side characters are like even mm-hmm. Mary, you're like Mary is compelling. Like it's all such a good foundation for a series. I mean, I, it was really smart of them to uh, target the series around these five months, mm. you know, to just like yeah. compress it down to, you know, those pivotal five months, you know, instead of trying to tell, you know, the story of, you know, them coming together and blah, 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 because that is what helped to to create the the energy, the rhythm, the the drive uh, for each of the episodes. And, you know, man, those title cards were, you know, a stroke of genius because it, it just, it was like, it was, it was tightening the, uh, not tightening. Um, it was winding the clock tighter and tighter and tighter. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. It definitely felt like it was ratcheting up the tension mm-hmm. to the point where like in the final episode, you're like, Oh, this is the one. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, it's it be, it just gets to become unbearable. Um, you know, and the scene where they're in court and Cromwell is like all but preening and prancing as he is laying these charges down um, against her. Um, so disappointed they didn't mention the witchcraft thing because the witchcraft always yeah. is what sends me over the edge. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. And I know that that there was a brief reference to witchcraft in one of the earlier episodes, but you know, not enough to to have that become uh, part of the the whole uh, trial situation. I think it might have been a distraction, to be honest, yeah. from the actual tensions between the marriage. Yeah. Like, if we throw in witchcraft, it's like, okay, man, I can't <laughs> take like you seriously. Kitchen sink, come on now. What else are you going to throw in here? <laughs> <laughs> she was seen flying um, on a broomstick above the palace. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and the the thing that, that I noted as we were going through the recap that I said I wanted to to come back to when we started talking about it was that she would either be beheaded or burned alive, depending on, you know, Harry's whim and yeah, the, the, the King's pleasure. And I was thinking to myself, was that the same for the men who were charged with yeah, treason? It was. Okay. Was that burned is, alive that's... or okay. Cause I was thinking, Oh, okay. So she winds up having the possibility of being burned alive. And I'm thinking that that's like a little tiny reference to the whole witchcraft thing. But um, I didn't know that it was the same thing as the men were sentenced to death, either by beheading or being burned alive. Mary, when she became monarch and she 
accused people of treason, loved burning yeah. people alive. So, mm-hmm. in a weird way, choosing a beheading was actually merciful. <laughs> like, just Oh, thankful. yes. Yes, um, definitely. And, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, Anne had a um, French swordsman yeah. do the beheading as opposed to uh, the executioner and their axe, you know... I've heard that that was something that Henry did, made the decision to have uh, a swordsman come instead of her getting beheaded with an axe. I always wondered if he did that in part because of the optics rather than his love for her or anything. Mm -hmm. Because can you imagine what it would have been like to have, A, this is the first time, unfortunately not the last, (laughs) that a reigning... um, monarch would be executed mm-hmm. uh, especially a queen yeah. and the optics of having her suffer the way her brother did would have made yeah. him look even more psychopathic Yeah. so I, I don't know that it really had anything to do with treating her kindly because at this point he's been so incredibly cruel <laughs> it's like oh, I'm not going to oh. I'm not going to give you points for this Henry no thank you what did you think of that ending specifically the final shot of thomas cromwell smiling because that that's what got to me i was like Mm. Mm -hmm. the rage the rage i want to smack him oh yeah i mean by by the time we got to that point i was actually standing up i was pacing (laughs) and and hurling profanities at the television (laughs) i was Mm. just like oh just you wait just you wait, son of a Because <laughs> <laughs> karma is a bitch and she is gonna take you for a ride. <laughs> I thought it was kind of fantastic to end on Cromwell because it firmly points at him as the reason this whole happened. Mm-hmm. Recently, Wolf Hall has done a number on people and made people think that he was some kind of, oh, he's just a poor misunderstood, poor little Thomas Cromwell. He was just trying his best. It's like, no. No, guys. no. Uh-uh. Kill- killed a bunch of people and he knew they were innocent. Guys. Yeah, it's like, no. Thomas Cromwell, uh, he is a dick. Uh, I'm looking at a painting of him right now and he's just this miserable looking jackass he kind of looks like a very unhappy beagle you know with the, <laughs> with the, with the hair yes um except beagles are cute when they're grumpy this man is just uh, a whole mess um yeah. usually we break episodes down into storylines but uh-huh. there was only really one <laughs> so we're going to look at aspects yeah um okay so Anne's response to the accusations against her I think generally she was like quite calm mm-hmm. and thoughtful and rational. There were a few moments of like obvious distress, like when she was scratching herself. Yeah, Ugh, that was so gross. Yeah, um, but relatable. What mm-hmm. a queen! Uh, I felt like the further along she got in the process of being fucked over, the more strength she gathered mm-hmm. from, especially like having Madge with her. Mm-hmm. And she felt really self-possessed, especially when she was told she was actually going to die <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and she told Cromwell off. I was like, oh, thank yeah. God. 
that was really great to watch. Yeah. Um, what a queen. Yeah. I, yeah, I, um, you know, I think that, and God knows I haven't been in this position, but I would hope that, you know, when you are facing the inevitability of your death, that you have one of two ways to, to, to deal with it. You can completely freak out or you can find peace and strength in, you know, the, the doing. And, uh, you know, obviously Anne uh, chose the latter. And, you know, I think it was probably probably a surprise to those individuals who knew her that yeah. she would have been as calm and as measured as she was uh, the closer she came to her demise. Um, you know, and quite frankly, I think Cromwell would have loved it if Anne had become hysterical and um, um, raging against the, the whole situation. He would have loved it. He would have eaten it up. And, you know, the fact that she she didn't give him a moment of that, you know, I just, I love her so much. Also speaks to how important her daughter was to her, that she yes. wouldn't show any kind of anger towards the king. Like that, when you have that much rage in you, can you, I can't even, I, I flip off. <laughs> over oh. minor details i would not be able to contain myself mm -hmm. like um and she was like that too like i feel like i had a similar uh impulse control issue with <laughs> and so i know like the strength it probably took for her to do that yeah and it's so incredible um mm -hmm. i think one of the most moving um things to watch in this episode was the friendship between Anne and Madge. Yeah. It was just, it was really lovely and mm -hmm. tender. Mm -hmm. um, and we love to see strong female friendships um, centered on TV shows. And it was like really comforting to have someone who actually cared about her and respected her yeah. because everything felt really hostile. Mm -hmm. Um. And I think the moment where Anne apologized to her was so moving mm -hmm. and lovely and showed real growth from Anne as a yeah. person. <sighs> yeah. And I liked all the little moments we got of Madge washing her and helping mm -hmm. her dress because it seemed, I guess, like it would seem like a subservient action, um, but it felt more like nurturing, like the, mm -hmm. the only way she could show her how much she loved her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an so act sad. of love. It's an act of love. Um, and it was really, I, I felt so bad for Madge to have to witness uh, the men's execution. Oh, God. And then to have to give Anne the horrible news about um, her brother's gruesome end. I, I felt so horrible for her. Oh, poor thing. And I realized, like, watching this episode, her relationship with her mother is so fraught that Anne has been sort of like, not like a pseudo mother, but someone she can look up to and respect mm -hmm. and love, who is somewhat more affectionate than her mother. So it it sort of makes perfect sense for her, them, her and both of them to, like, gleam onto each other. Mm -hmm. um, that's so sad. I wonder what happened to Madge. 
We will never know. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. The other thing that I found to be uh, incredibly moving and the the part where, you know, I was feeling throat lumps uh, throughout the the show, but the the one that finally kind of broke me was um, Anne and George's goodbye. My God, no, don't don't mention it. Because <laughs> the first time I watched it, I sobbed. The second time I watched it, I sobbed. As oh, I yeah. was writing, <laughs> writing the <laughs> recap, I sobbed. Yeah, like, no, I, thank it, you. It was it was just oh, it was horrible. Um, and you know, I'm I'm happy saying that that is all we need to say about it because we can't talk about it. I will cry. <laughs> we don't we don't need crying on the podcast. Uh, just because. It'll there. There'll be lots of nose unpleasantness and ugly crying. You don't want yeah, to listen no. to sniffles. Do yeah. you? Does anyone want to listen no. to? <laughs> no. Um, it, it was beautiful. Um, Anne and Cromwell. I think we've already spent a bit of time talking about Cromwell uh, and Anne's relationship. Um, I. There are times when I feel like they went a little snidely whiplash with Cromwell's depiction uh, in this, but I was good with it. It's impossible to paint him as like anything other than that in this particular moment in time. If you want a nuanced depiction of Thomas Cromwell, everyone go out, read or watch Wolf Hall. Yeah. Much less one-dimensional, but Mm -hmm. when you think about the show as being from... Anne's perspective, mm-hmm. that's how she saw him, because yeah. he was literally conspiring to kill her. <laughs> you know? Yep. Um, yeah. But, you know, knowing that he dies a few short late years later... Yeah. Um, Just a few. <laughs> the exact same position as her. Um, <laughs> yeah. Makes me feel fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Although, I, I was wondering, I've got the Wikipedia page open for asshole. Um... And um, I was wondering if they had, they said the circumstances of his execution are a source of debate, while some accounts state that the executioner had, gri- the executioner had great difficulty severing his head. <laughs> Others claim that this is apocryphal and it took only one blow. Mm. Um, but uh, We'll never know, but well, I really hope it was painful. And uh, yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I hope that that executioner was drunk (laughs) and had to take many swings in order to get just, you know, because, yeah, karma is a bitch, man. He killed innocent people Mm -hmm. just to aid his own political ambitions. It wasn't like he actually thought they had committed treason. I mean, the fucking loot player. Yes, it's a loot player. (sighs) Come on now. He plays a stringed instrument. Stupidity of this. She was apparently encouraging people to kill the king for her. Uh-huh. Then she wouldn't be the queen. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why would she do that? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, these people were just not thinking. Did everybody Did everybody have syphilis? Did everybody just gone crazy back then? <laughs> Nobody using their brains yes. to think? I think maybe the plague had traumatized them so badly uh, that they yeah. just lost their minds. Yeah. I feel like that's what happened with COVID. Like everyone's insane now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I think yeah, something similar true. must have happened. 
Okay, the annulment. Oh my gosh. This is potentially the cruelest thing done to Anne. Yeah. Um, even more so than trying to kill her. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't heard about this. Oh, this is a good... This <laughs> probably did happen this way because the constable of the tower was writing lots of letters to Cromwell that evening. Uh-huh. So we have a documented... Um, like pretty much her last few days, a very well documented account oh. um, from him. Um, and after her trial, the Archbishop Cranmere came to visit her. Mm-hmm. And um, in a letter, the constable said, this day at dinner, the queen said she would go to a nunnery and is in hope of life. Uh, this is, again, following her trial. So she had no reason to have hope unless mm-hmm. it was given to her. Mm-hmm. And then the next day... Um, Cranmer helped Henry um, get an annulment. He announced that they were annulled. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, by the way, she's going to die. So <laughs> we have no option but to conclude that this is what happened. <laughs> like, Dang. Guys. I mean, this is, this is just some bullshit, man. This is, this is like cruelty upon cruelty. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, kick her while she's down. Yeah. Give us some Eight. hope. <laughs> A Take it bucket away. full of salt in the wound. I mean, just, oh. And you can see the logic of it because by annulling the wedding, they have uh, a legitimate reason to make Elizabeth illegitimate. Mm-hmm. If they had just killed Anne, then this, people would still be like, well, wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a legitimate marriage. Yeah. Um, And they would have... Like, reason to try and get Elizabeth on the throne. Mm-hmm. So it's smart, but it's also just <sighs> evil. Yeah, like, just just evil. 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 Spiteful. This is why I can't, I can't give Henry any points for... Oh, no. ...getting a nicer execution for her, because it's like, <laughs> this is, this is next level. <laughs> <laughs> just when you think Henry can't go lower... He yes. inevitably does. <laughs> Piece of shit. Just yeah, Henry, Henry is chaotic evil. And the way she managed to bounce back from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> insane. That's when I would have broken. That yeah. is when I would have just been like, kill me now. I can't fucking cope. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I can't play this. I can't play your game anymore. I wonder what would, well, look, if she hadn't signed it, they probably would have forged it anyway. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I have this paper. Yeah. It's cruel because she's doing something that she thinks will... Will save her daughter. Save her daughter and it ends up actually fucking her over. Mm Mm-hmm. Monstrous. The one man that kind of grew on me was the constable. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Initially, I was like, dude, no. Because initially, I thought he was going to do some... some when he touched her, I was like, "Yeah, I was like, oh, no. please, I can't, I can't do with any sexual violence or anything like that. Not right now." He was literally pressing her face down into a bed at one point. <laughs> yeah, um, lol. But I think, <laughs> and you know, that was a stanky bed. Yeah. I don't want to think about that. Um, <laughs> but I, I think in a lot of cases, he he showed quite a lot of kindness and respect yeah. um, when he didn't have to. Um, and the moment he allowed her to have with her brother spoke of someone who yeah. actually cares about people mm-hmm. and wants to do right by them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was glad that she at least had someone who was 
in addition to Madge, uh, someone that was uh, demonstrating kindness to her um, during her last days. An interesting aspect was right at the end, actually, because obviously she was so isolated for the majority of the episode. But we really saw Anne's relationship with the public shift. Mm -hmm. Um, previously there's been always been like a lot of hostility and jeering and stuff and right as she's about to die it was like she'd finally earned their respect yeah and it was awful because she had to sacrifice her life to do that but then I kept thinking like that's a narrative that's played out over and over again in history and very recently in celebrity culture I keep thinking of like someone like Marilyn Monroe <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, it's particularly prevalent for women and I yeah. think they made a particular point of showing women in the crowd. There were loads of shots of women watching her, like mm-hmm. really sad, mothers holding their children. Mm-hmm. And I think Anne is sort of an archetype mm-hmm. for what has happened to women over and over again. You yeah. know, abusive partners or, you know, having political ambition and having agency. All of these get pushed down by society and these things have all touched us and Mm -hmm. i think her story is universal in that respect and that's why i think you can have jodie turner playing her because and she's an archetype that we can all relate to and we don't really know that much about her personality like we'll never know what she was thinking what she was feeling but we Mm -hmm. uh it was tough but Honestly, some amazing uh, television. Mm. So Anne's legacy. I love the line where she is basically saying, you know, my legacy is this is my legacy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love that part. But, you know, she has had a pretty stellar legacy. I mean, obviously, you know, she's the mother of one of the greatest monarchs of all time, um, Elizabeth I. But she has also remained iconic in and of her own right. She's definitely an icon. <laughs> it's like everybody knows Anne Boleyn. You know, uh, they they may not know the other, they may not know all of the other wives, but they all know Anne Boleyn. That's so true. And just, I also thought we got a lot of like famous Anne Boleyn iconography. It's mm. um, yeah, she just fully became an icon in this episode Mm -hmm. and i really like the idea of in a way like thomas cromwell created that she became like iconic because he killed her if he if she had stayed married to henry and like potentially had more children or didn't and just like died of old age i don't Mm -hmm. think she would have become as famous as she is no and so it's like one of the great irony is that he by trying to kill her off he just made her more powerful in a Mm -hmm. sense i couldn't help notice in in this episode (laughs) it was chock full of people who eventually got their own heads chopped off (laughs) Um, they all turned on her (laughs) and then i was like well i mean first we have the world's most bitchiest sister jane boleyn who got executed for helping (laughs) uh catherine howard's adultery so Real <laughs> ironic coming from her. Um, Cromwell, obviously. Yes. Um, I mean, I think he was technically arrested for 
his religious reformation ship, but it was actually all about Anne, Anne of Cleves. Oh, Another yeah. Anne. Another Anne. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, you really screwed the pooch on that one, didn't you? Mm. Um, and then even Cranmere, uh, who was burned at the stake by Queen Mary for being... Wow. Because uh, he was quite a leading figure uh, in the Reformation. And he did try to help put Jane Grey on the throne. So <laughs> yeah. he didn't get his Aye. head chopped off, but this was arguably worse. Um, I would rather be get my head chopped off than burned at the stake. Like, come mm-hmm. on. I'm not being burned alive for anybody. We had karma coming back on so many people. And I wish, like, the, the last title card had just been a list of all the people Henry executed <laughs> afterwards. Like... <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That would have oh. been that would have been a long say, list. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I you know I'm sure that we can we can Google very quickly um, names of of Henry VIII's executions. So the royal killings is one list <laughs> that came up. Um, Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's a uh, uh, it's a pretty crazy list. Um, Anne Boleyn, George Boleyn, Jane Boleyn, <laughs> Catherine Howard, Francis Derriman, Thomas Culpepper. Ah, uh, Paul Culpepper. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Thomas More. What about Culpepper? <laughs> uh, Thomas Cromwell, Elizabeth Barton, Anne Askew, Mabel Bridge. Um, the executions for refusing the oath of supremacy, the Carthusian monks. Okay. That so, was a lot. Yeah, that's a whole bunch. Uh, <laughs> we've got... Uh, that was on religious grounds, to be fair. Yeah, the, pilgrim- the pilgrimage of grace executions, uh, Margaret Pole. Uh, it, 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 it just goes on and on and on. Like, to be honest, if someone came along to me and declared themselves like the head of a church, I'd be like, "No, I'm not declaring allegiance to you." What the fuck? No. Uh-uh. Um, so fair. <laughs> and I'm getting away from you because you, sir, are a megalomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> like if they were on TikTok and they were like, "Okay, so my boyfriend has declared himself the head of the English church," and I'm wondering <laughs> if that's a red flag. Yeah, pick up a giant red flag. Flap, flap. Get one of those oh. big ones you get at the stadiums, like really yes. big. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, we got on to a tangent, but it was a fun one. It was funny. Um, yes. Themes. So I definitely thought friendship was yes. one, and we've talked about Madge and Anne. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about Lady Worcester. <laughs> Do we? Didn't we talk about her enough last episode? We need to talk about Cranmere as well because he was like besties with her and the only reason he became Archbishop was because she f- fandangled it for him. I don't know what <gasps> fandangle means now that I've just said it out loud. Um, but you <laughs> know what fin- I mean. Finagle? Was that what you finagled. were trying to say? Yes. Finagle. Why did I say fan- it's fandangle, the word. Fan- yeah, fandangle is a word. But uh, finagled, I think, is the one. Finagled. Is... Yes. Okay, it's early for me, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's F and it sounds funny. So, you know, you were, you were right on track. 
Um, I know that like court life is incredibly superficial and ruthless. Yeah. Um, but this about turn from Lady Worcester was some true fuckery. Oh um, uh, yeah. I wasn't surprised. Maybe because I've read some history books, but also <laughs> she was giving desperate energy. Um, yeah. In real life, Lady Worcester um, was the accuser responsible for the incest allegations. Um, and she was really, really, really close to the Queen. Um, she even borrowed like £100 from Anne <laughs> like, and never paid it back because she accused her of treason. Um <laughs> when Anne was in the tower she kept asking about Lady Worcester because she was heavily pregnant and she was worried about the the stress would <laughs> what the stress would cause her pregnancy and it's like girl she fine um, she caused the stress man you never really know why someone has done this it might be the influence of her family or her husband or whatever but I think at the end of the day, you got to judge them because that's a friend you fucked over. Yeah. Maybe she saw this as like, I mean, in the TV show, it's slightly different because she's just accusing her of making her sleep with her brother, which is really confusing because if they're, they're accusing her of incest, why would she make her friend sleep with her brother? Mm-hmm. That's two yeah. conflicting stories. Makes absolutely no sense. I mean, at least be consistent with your lies. Maybe it was an excuse for her to get out of, like, oh, I'm pregnant with this <laughs> dead man's child. I'll just say the queen made me do it. This is a great get out of jail free card with your husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. What a piece of work. I mean, she, if you looked up the phrase, backstabber you would see her picture underneath there i mean you expect bullshit from jane boleyn yeah that's her whole mood she will stab you in the front i have more <laughs> respect for that yes <laughs> also the pomegranate thing mm -hmm. that is called the fruit of the dead really um, in greek mythology it's associated with adonis and obviously the whole pomegranate granite seed to go into hell you know blah 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 wow i i love the i love the use of symbolism that they have had in this show sometimes heavy-handed but sometimes yeah. the, you knew it was yeah. a big deal because they really zoomed in on that pomegranate and i yeah. was like okay bitch <laughs> i see what you did there <laughs> and they found a pretty pomegranate i think one of the queens one of Henry's queens had a pomegranate in their, um... Oh, yeah! You know, the little symbol-y thingy. With the, the symbol-y thingy. Thing? We're really technical here. And the the shield-y thing? <laughs> the shield-y thing. <laughs> the shield-y thing! Henry's queen's coat of arms. Here we go. I seem to remember that someone had a pomegranate. Oh, it's Catherine's. She had... Catherine of Aragon? Yeah. Really? Oh, my God. Girl! Oh, that's so symbolic. She had a pomegranate with a crown over it. Whoa. It's like she's taunting her from the grave. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that just blew my mind. Anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit, but not dwell on it too much, about the reviews of the show. <sighs> this show's release was met with 
extremely negative responses. Um, not because of any of its content. What a surprise! Um, simply for its casting of Jodie and the oh, right wingers hated this. Oh, of course. People I loathe, such as Candace Owens, felt the need to give their opinions about a show they didn't watch. And what's tragic to me is that if you Google this show, the review aggregates from users submitted all make this look like this is the worst show ever. The average audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 7%. What? Out of 100 Oh, that's just rude. I don't feel like these reviews are based on the merits of the show. I think racists were just racisting. <laughs> that's yes. a word, but you know. Yep. You know, when we think about Bridgerton and, you know, how Bridgerton really did um, kind of uh, break through that kind of racial... Um, the, the racial bar that, that we had when it came to, uh, period dramas and period storytelling. Um, it's fine if they're fictional characters, although, you know, we can't say that for Queen Charlotte, but. Who was most definitely a white lady. I don't care what people say. <laughs> she was white. Why have we not got a problem with them making her black? I know. But we got a problem with this. It don't make no sense. But, you know, Anne Boleyn. Oh, no, 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 no. Doesn't no. make any difference. It makes zero difference no. to yeah. the telling of the story, and that's what I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, Anne is an archetype that can be played by pretty much every woman because we all have experiences similar to hers. So mm -hmm. it's yeah. not as if her melanin uh, <laughs> impacted her life in any way. Yeah, and that's that's just disgusting. It's just annoying because I think I feel like people who are genuinely looking for a show will see those reviews and it's on like it's on like Google and mm -hmm. it's on like IMDb. We'll see those reviews and think, oh, there's something wrong with this show. It's not very good. Yeah, um, and it's but like, it's not no. being judged on its merits. It's just yeah. yeah it's like no, this show is freaking brilliant. I mean, I I can already tell you it's getting six out of five. <laughs> No spoilers. Okay, She's getting five. <laughs> five five initial necklaces. But this show was you know, for for what my little review and my in this little corner of the interwebs is worth. But um, you know, it's a damn shame if there are individuals who won't experience this program because of the bullshit that individuals who reviewed this show and reviewed it based on race have wound up skewing the skewing the results it's a it's a shame it is and i wouldn't have mentioned it if i didn't think it was having some kind of because i don't really give a shit what random people on the internet think but <laughs> i feel like um it might skew some maybe some of our listeners were like i've giggled this show before and thought it was terrible i want to tell mm -hmm. you that is the reason it's not based on the show okay yeah and hopefully you have had the opportunity to see the show and hard, trying to find a place to watch it and now uh realize that it was it's it's brilliant 
Uh, favorite scenes. It's hard one. Hard one for this episode because. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but it's definitely the George and Anne scene. I think the show created a really strong bond between them in the previous episodes. So, like, and I kept thinking about the choice to shoot it from Anne's perspective, and you only really see like a tiny figure really far away. I was like, is that even the same actor? Like, you can't tell. <laughs> and, I think some other shows might have gone in for close-ups of her brother or something. Yeah. Um, but the confidence they had to just stay in her perspective and not break throughout the three episodes was, it just made that scene hurt even more, which mm-hmm. is why it's a favourite, because I think for, to have me crying just remembering it... <laughs> Yeah. As I was writing, I was like, why am I crying? I'm not even watching it. Yeah. Um, was a lot. <sighs> um, I would have to say the same. Uh, I thought that was really um, one of the, the gut-wrenching and um, beautiful moments. Um, I, I had hoped that she would have the chance to at least say goodbye. And who knows if it really happened. You know, we'll never know. But that, that meant... That meant a lot to me to to be able to see that. Okay, we're going to stop talking about it. Yeah, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm yeah. literally on the match. Okay, so <laughs> least least favorite. Um, I don't have one, which may be the first time I've ever said that on a podcast. <laughs> but I couldn't pick something and go, "This was bad." I thought every scene was great. <laughs> there were yeah, no flaws. I... Sue me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. Every scene, I think, there was not a scene, a superfluous scene at all in this episode. You know, it's like every scene I thought needed to be there in order to make this make sense. I mean, I could have done without scratching because that was truly, like, um, horrifying. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was, I honestly didn't have one either. Um, I just thought this entire episode was was chef's kiss um favorite costume for me was definitely the black velvet uh-huh. that sort of uh-huh. really reminded me of the famous portrait of her uh-huh. and yep it was sort of like watching you know when a superhero puts on their uh, puts on their cape cost- yes it puts their on their costume, costume for the yes. first time it kind of reinforced the feeling, A, of the inevitability of her death. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, she's fully formed now. <laughs> she's gone full Anne. Yes. Um, and like we said earlier, it was, she has become iconic and this look has become iconic, like to the point where as soon as you put it on, it's like, she is. Yeah. Here, um, here we go. I, I love when the costumes reinforce the narrative that way. It was sort of like she became the figure we're all familiar with in that mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was um exquisite. I was kind of wishing that she had had the initial necklace on, but got the whole crucifix thing. Oh yeah. I do find it ironic that she is sort of um this Protestant um icon <laughs> she's wearing a crucifix <laughs> and she took holy communion before she died i was like oh well, and that's the kind of the funny thing about uh catholicism and protestantism 
at that point is that it was very we probably couldn't have been able to tell the difference. It's like, they're very similar. I was going to say, you know, if you look at, you know, uh, Catholicism and, um, you know, Anglicanism, Anglicanism, I guess that's the right word, or Episcopalianism, as it is uh, referred to here in uh, the States, um, you know, we have crucifixes, we have Holy Communion, we have, you know, a whole bunch of, similar things, you know, all the way, you know, through, um, you know, because it was basically the same thing, <laughs> you know, when, when Harry broke from, from Rome, they, they really didn't change a whole hell of a lot. I know. It's sort of like, why are you killing each other? You're just different flavors of the same dessert. It's <laughs> pretty much, pretty um, much. But, but then like, Anne did describe herself as a Lutheran, and mm-hmm. Lutheranism Which did develop to be very distinct very, from very Catholicism. Distinct, yes. Yeah, but at that point they hadn't gone that that far, so it's just sort of funny to be like, "She's the Protestant queen," and it's like, <laughs> "Not really. She's yeah. pretty much a practicing Catholic." <laughs> but yeah, it also makes um, Queen Mary's hatred for her. Um, at least the religious aspects of it, really bizarre to me. I'm like, girl, she's basically Catholic. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a lot of Protestants are listening to this like, shut up. That's blasphemy. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, it all comes back to, um, you know, it's not these women that were, wreaking all of this havoc it's henry fucking henry Henry, yeah henry is the one that is running around doing all of this stuff he was he was very much a catholic as well he just Uh did this for expediency this is what Mm -hmm. pisses me off if he actually had any conviction about his uh religious reformation then I could somewhat understand it, mm-hmm. but it's the lack of foundation for all yeah. these murders that I'm like, oh, yeah, sh- yeah. It's like, dude, <laughs> you know, if you could have gotten away with murdering your wife or murdering Catherine of Aragon, with he would have done it. He would have. He knew that it, you know, if something like that had happened, he would have had Spain all up in his ass. <laughs> I mean, at that point, not just Spain. That was when the Habsburg Empire was yes, joined, so it would have been that's true. Most most of Europe, most <laughs> of, of Europe, Europe was... <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's like yeah. So you know that that you know you. Oh, I hate and he him. Still treated Catherine like shit so as well. Much. It's like <laughs> oh, I hate um, him so much. He was the worst. Um, performer of the episode, obviously. <sighs> Hello. Still Jodie Turner-Smith. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I said her speech at the trial was worthy of an Emmy. I think it mm-hmm. might be worthy of an Oscar, a Grammy. I know that that's not for acting. I don't um, care. She needed. She needs one for a BAFTA, but I don't know. You just had the BAFTAs. Well, obviously, this would have been eligible Television. for BAFTAs last year. That would been in the middle of the year, yeah. Yeah, it would um, have been last year. Well, again, the show was negatively received. So, yeah, yeah. It I got... feel 
like that impacted a lot of absolutely the, resp- the critical response as well and i wish mm-hmm. more people had just been open-minded yeah. and watched it because they're mm-hmm. really missing out on seeing a fantastic performance but also what i think was her sort of announcing herself as an actress yeah like here here i am bitch mm-hmm. love me <laughs> yeah oh i mean in the words of beyonce bow down bitches bow mm-hmm. down. <laughs> yeah uh i really hope to see her in uh more things uh in the future because she is she is really uh uh an extraordinary actress okay we've already talked about i i've talked about initial necklaces i'm assuming that it's five of five for you too yes just, yeah. just five. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag duh. Duh. <laughs> no point talking about it. This was perfect. Um We've got one letter in the inbox. Um Good evening, dear podcasting queens. Yes, queens. Uh first let me say that Jody Turner Smith has been a real discovery for me, having never seen her in anything. I just loved her fierce performance, and to be honest, those cheekbones. Oof. Yes. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated that with little dialogue, she could portray so many emotions about being locked up and not knowing her fate or worse, that of her daughters. Her glares, quivering stares into nothing, and ability to show pain yet determination made this show. There is nothing we can compare in our lives to feel what it must have been like to go through, go from being a queen giving orders and being obeyed, to being humiliated at every turn. All I could think was, what if I had to spend a week in a hotel room with my arch nemesis, could not close the door when I went to the privy, and that bitch also got to choose what I wore and wouldn't let me wear my jewelry, lol. Um, I do wish we could have gotten some scenes of the background story, i.e. Henry being a cruel a cruel prick plotting his way out of this marriage and into the next. But the show is called Anne Boleyn and time was so limited. I think they managed to focus well on her story and I can't be the only one that wanted to reach into the screen and slap that smug faced Cromwell. Can I? (laughs) Nope. No. Itchy hand. Been itchy since I watched it. Need to slap something. I can still uh, see his face. Like, yeah, I can me see too. his little smirky face. Oh, God. Um, as for that bastard archbishop telling her that she would be committing a sin and go to hell if she chooses death. What? She was condemned to death, but he's making it out <laughs> that she has a choice? So much manipulation. I still love the low-budget sets on this show. It helped to convey the claustrophobia of the tower. That's a good point. Um, I think in some productions with more money, they go overboard with the set decoration and you focus less on the performances and more on the, ooh, look at that tapestry. <laughs> Bridgerton! Yes. I really enjoyed the show and hope that if this is the first piece of historical fiction fiction someone sees regarding Anne, that they will read more about her. Such a fascinating woman. One only wishes she could have seen the woman her daughter turned out to be. Thank you again, ladies, for these fabulous podcasts. I love hearing your take on things. You never fail to make me think more on something I overlooked or just make me laugh out loud. Take care, Denise. Thank you, Denise. Thank you, Denise. I love it when people are nice to us. (laughs) Yes, me too. 
so um, I think that's all from us. We've been mm-hmm. talking way too long for most people to bear. Uh, we're oh, gonna my be heavens, taking... yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be taking a little break ahead of our Sanditon Season 3 coverage. <laughs> you can find that over on Sanditon Fancast. For updates from us, head on over to social media. We're in the Books Network. And if you want to be read out in the inbox feature, then please email us at inthebooksnetwork at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with friends and give us a rate and review. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Grew up in the French court. We wee bonjour. Life was a chore, so she set sail. 15, 22, came straight to the UK. All the British dudes lay. Epic fail. I wanna dance and sing Politics Not my thing But then I met the king And soon my daddy said You should try and get ahead He wanted me, obviously Messaging me like every day Couldn't be better than he sent me a letter And who am I kidding, I was Pret-a-Manger Sent a reply Just saying hi You're a nice guy I'll think about it maybe XO baby Uh Here we go You sent him kisses I didn't know I would move in with his missus Get a life You're living with his wife Like what was I meant to do Sorry not sorry about what I said I'm just trying to have some fun Don't worry don't worry don't lose your head I didn't mean to hurt anyone to hell I'm sorry not sorry about what I said don't lose your head three in the bed and the little one said if you want to be wed make up your mind her or me chum don't want to be some girl in a threesome are you blind don't be bitter cause I'm fitter why hasn't it he doesn't want to bang you, somebody hang you Uh-oh. Here we go, your comment went viral I didn't really mean it but rumours spiral Well and way to make the country hate you Mate, what was I meant to do? Sorry, not sorry about what I said I'm just trying to have some fun Don't worry, don't worry, don't lose your head I didn't mean to hurt anyone God's will. Henry's out every night on the town, just sleeping around like what the hell? If that's how it's gonna be, maybe I'll flirt with a guy or three just to make him gel. Henry finds out and he goes mental. He screams and shouts like so judgmental. You damn it, witch! Mate, just shut up. I wouldn't be such a b- if you could get it up. Here we go. Is that what 